This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Kaminga comes over to screen now. Screen set, cross-court to Lee. Lee, back to Curry. Curry at midcourt. 101-80 Warriors. Curry working on Aldridge, takes another three. Why not? Here's Stephen Curry. The laws of humankind do not apply. 104 to 80, and the crowd roaring over another Curry three. Now back to Warriors this week on 95.7 The Game. Hour number two, Tim Roy on the call there. November 16th of 2021, a Tuesday night in Brooklyn where the Nets fans, well, a lot of Warrior fans. A lot. A lot of Warrior fans. You were there. MVP chance. For Steph Curry, as the Warriors went in among the 18-2 and two start and just put it on the nets in another one of those showcase games early where it was, wow, the Warriors are off to a great start. Everybody thinks Brooklyn's going to be a team that's in the finals. And the Warriors went in there and, and thumped them, and thumped them from the tip. And thumped an old friend in KD. And I think once that game happened, J.D., everybody was looking around going, yep, it started to feel even more possible. And to your everlasting credit, you were the first person that I knew who, looking through the, not just in the preseason, but those first few games in the regular season, but right around that moment, you're texting me and you're going, I I think it could happen for this team. I think the pieces are starting to, to fall in place. And I was not sold to a title level, but after that game in Brooklyn, when you're seeing Steph and Draymond come in and and, and they're saying, hey, we're playing really well, what you started to feel after that game, specifically at Barclays, was the old Warriors aura is back. And people are starting to, to worry when the Warriors come to town, not only are they going to get their butts kicked on the floor, but off of it, their fans are going to take over the building. That happened in November, and it was for two different teams. One team in Brooklyn went down a, a bad path, and they played a little bit better, but then Durant got hurt. Kyrie's situation was what it was, and then Harden wanted out. The Warriors kept building from that point. The defense kept getting stronger, and here we are. They were 12-2. and two. With that win in Brooklyn, it was a huge second quarter, 32-24, and then the third quarter is where they blew the doors off. 35-18 Warriors in the third quarter of that game. 
the highlight there. One oh one seventeen ninety nine was the final. And uh, yeah, Brooklyn came in ten and four. The Warriors were eleven and two. So that was a, a big time showcase game on TNT Tuesday night, early in the season. And the Warriors able to go in there and win it. That was the night for me where I thought because this was out without Clay Thompson. Yeah. At that point, yep. you know, Clay was still almost two months away from coming back. And and if the Nets were, that was also the night where I said the Nets can't win it. Believe it or not, it's just too just too much going on, too cobbled together. Crappy defense. I know they they obviously made some big changes to the roster midseason, but and Kyrie ended up coming back. But they just, to me, as great as KD is, they did not have it, and they showed it to me on that night. And I thought the Warriors showed me they did have it. And I think if you're looking back on on ways in which you start to see teams come together or separate, the Nets defensively, JD, and we saw it that night. They were just getting. Torched. And so when you have the Warriors defense playing at the level it had started to play, and then you throw on top of that the offensive spectacle that is Steph Curry dominating (laughs) up and down the floor, that's when magical seasons can take place, and that's what started to build what we see now. And one of many little wins along the way, especially early before some of the injuries and trying to get Steph and Clay and Draymond all playing together because it, it really didn't happen that much after yeah, a, right. after Clay came back because Draymond went out and then Draymond came back and then Steph went out. So they, they just never got all on the same page until the playoffs, which makes it, I think, all the more remarkable that the Warriors were able to, to go on the run that they did. 16-6 and six in the playoffs in 22 games and an NBA title. Looking at the headline from that night as we reminisce a little bit, Curry scores 37, Durant season-low 19 as Warriors route oh. nets. That's the headline from the uh, AP on that on that one. To, to think that the Warriors, J.D., you started to see the production <laughs> from so many different places, too. In that, any, any title team is going to get that, but you saw it early in the year. There was... Those couple of games where Gary Payton II would, would open everybody's eyes up with the dunk and the way he played defense. Looney was becoming even more of that focal point where, hey, it looks like the old Kavan. You know he's going to be out there, and you know he's going to get the job done. Jordan Poole started to make more shots at a, a higher pace. It was all those games in November and December where everybody started to go, yeah, oh, yeah. okay, the the – the season has the possibility of taking a different form. And we talked about Bielitsa at Staples in game one. Yeah. Otto Porter was unbelievable for this team throughout the year. And for him to stay healthy, he was, he was a little heavier coming into uh, the season from, from where he had been in the past. No back-to-backs. He, he dropped the weight. He kept the weight off. He stayed on the floor and produced. That signing, when it happened, I know I was very skeptical given what had occurred during this brief time with the Bulls and at the end of that tenure with the Wizards. He earned himself a lot of money, but he he earned the respect in the room early because everybody went, hey, he's still got a lot of talent in there. He's still got a lot to show the league, and he can really help the group. And he did. Yeah, and you and you just kind of go through the roster, and and a lot of it was, and I think you could tell even in the preseason that you know, Steve was playing 
the veterans together in a way to where he was he was telling everybody how the mm-hmm. Warriors were going to try to start the season, and it was it was going to be Steph, Poole in the starting lineup, not messing around there for Clay when Clay was out at least initially. I know it got a little wonky at points later on down the line after Clay came back, and that was maybe a little mini piece of drama that the Warriors had to work through when when Jordan Poole clearly end of February and March was pouting a little bit, and he, and he was just better. Yeah, and and he was better, and I think he knew he was better, and I think there were maybe a little part of him that resented, hey, I just averaged 18 points a game for a team that had the best record in the league for a good chunk of this this first half before Phoenix took over, and uh, I'm coming off the bench. Like I do the even for Clay, and he said the right things publicly, but the body language wasn't always maybe in the right place. But they they got that cleaned up. I know that uh, famous or infamous press conference in Dallas where he was just kind of sitting there, just kind of. Yeah, everything's going to be fine. I'll figure it out. You know, whatever. After he clearly had pouted in the game prior when they lost a big lead on a Sunday night against Dallas at, right. at Chase, and he was clearly upset, and Steve Kerr did, hadn't been starting him, and he didn't play him at, at one point, and there was like, what's going on with Jordan Poole? March 3rd in Dallas, he figured out he was really good from that point until the end of the season, and so the Warriors get credit for for all of that and and making it through some of the little landmines that that popped up uh, during this season after that forty one and thirteen start. But you could tell it was going to be Stephen Poole, Wiggins, and Draymond, Looney, and then you also knew it was going to be Peyton and Porter because Peyton proved himself very early on to be a, a factor. Mm-hmm. It was going to be Iguodala early, and you made a point during the break. Iguodala was huge in the first 20 games before sort of riding off into the sunset, as Andre Iguodala could do. (laughs) But he set a a tone. Bielitsa played a lot early. The Warriors played the Vets and Jordan Poole, basically, exclusively for those first two and a half months or so, and that's exactly why they got off to the start that, that ultimately allowed them to be a top three seed. And, J.D., this dovetails perfectly into the point that you made because Kerr knew that he wanted a certain tone set for the beginning of the season. The schedule, as we look back on it now, was pretty easy, and there were a lot of winnable games for the Warriors, but he knew he wanted to build up the confidence within the group so that once everybody caught up a little bit schedule-wise – they would have already built up a huge comfort for themselves. And Andre Godala was gigantic in those first few weeks of the season. He was healthy. He looked like he had turned back the clock a few years, and he was providing the example for the rest of the younger guys and saying, hey, this is what needs to be done. I can still help win some games, and I'm here to – help push this team to a championship. So on top of what they had started to see from Porter, Bielitsa, a little more from Poole, Looney was healthy. Andre's impact early in the year was crucial in setting them up for the success that would come later. 888-957-9570, Doug in Berkeley on 95.7 The Game. Hey, Doug. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking the call. Um Great, great hearing all this stuff about the Warriors. It brings back memories of the season. A couple things. Um, one is, J.D., you said earlier in response to one of the other callers, you know, about the 41-13 start and then things got a little wonky and the other caller was wondering about it. Do you think, in addition to, like, the injuries, 
that the defense, which was so good in the beginning of the season, the first two-thirds of the season, got a little shaky because Clay came back and he was not Clay as we know he was previously and will be hopefully next year on the defensive side of the ball. That's just a question. And then the, the second thing is a comment. Uh, it's great, unexpected ending to the season. Uh, we're going to need to get better. And I remember something that Clay said after they won the first title, and it was in the preseason for the or the next preseason. Somebody asked him, "Well, you know, yeah, last year was great. You know, you guys won the championship. How do you think you're going to do this year?" And Clay said, "We're going to be better." And the the, the questioner asked him, well, "You're going to be better? You won the championship last year. Why do you think you're going to be better?" And he said, "Because we know each other. We know each other better. We know where we're supposed to be. We're going to be better." And obviously, 24-0 start, 73-9, Clay was prophetic. So uh, my, my, my question to you on the, that, the, the, the defense sure. uh, that kind of dropped off, J.D., do you think Clay's coming back? Uh, but yeah. not quite being there was contributing to that. Thanks for taking the call. Appreciate it. Uh, good phone call, Doug. I think Clay was a part of it the defense not being as good and, and him getting acclimated. And, and he found something as this Boston series went on, by the way. I mean, he was no really question. good defensively, really no from the the last eight minutes of game four until the end of the series after after kind of looking a little bit like a liability in the first three games of the series. But I think the Warriors overall, just in that Boston series, not to get too lost in that, they didn't look great defensively the first three games. They looked awesome defensively in the in the last three games, and that's – what you had to do to beat Boston. You had to make them be unable to score because they were a team against good defenses that had a difficult time scoring. And so to, to kind of choke them out and turn the faucet off on them, I think helped flip the series and it allowed the Warriors some breathing room to get the offense going because the defense was so good. One little hot streak, all of a sudden you're on a run, the Celtics can't match it. And then everything's just wide open, and you saw that especially in Game Six. Like by the moment the Warriors started to take control of that game, they are tremendous front runners. And once, I mean, there it was wide open space. You know, you're watching a football game. You know, if you're at the game sometimes, and it's like, oh my god, like four receivers forever. wide open, yeah. wide open spaces. The Warriors' offense looked like that, really, from the end of the first quarter early second quarter on in game six on Wednesday. Like there was no, like that game was over because there was no doubt in my mind that the Celtics could not defend them with the way that the Warriors offense had locked in, but their defense, I think set a lot of that up. Uh, I'll let you chime in on that. I want to finish the answer on, on the defense because there's some other factors. I think JD in hindsight, game five was the tell all because Steph did not shoot it. Well, Mm -hmm. could not find his rhythm over nine from beyond the arc. And the Celtics could not figure it out. When they had it right there after not really playing well at the end of the third quarter. To me, the end of the third quarter was, was we talk about game four, we talk about game six. I thought the end of the third quarter in game five, where Clay hit a couple of threes, Poole yep. hit the banker, but hit another three before that. To me, that was the Warriors not getting down 10 or 12 there to where they would have been in trouble. That, to me, was his big... I think that's the most under-discussed four-minute stretch when the Celtics were going off and it looked like game one, and then all of a sudden uh-uh, the Warriors had the lead at the end of the third quarter, and our, our, our guy Whitey pointed this out. He thought that was really the first time the Celtics looked defeated, like, 
We can't freaking Uh shake these guys. Right. Like, we just hit them with the game one energy, and we're freaking down one. They knew in that moment that they didn't have the firepower to to rise above what was right in front of them. J.D., Steve Kerr has said it a lot through the last few years. The gravity that Steph creates and the defenders have to be around him for is unlike anything he's ever seen. We know he played with MJ. We know how great of a compliment that is to Steph. But what I want to reinforce here is Steph Curry has brought his game to an even higher point than we've seen because he physically is in the best shape of damn near anybody in the entire league. Mm -hmm. And last year, at the end of last season, he was playing like the MVP. He was knocking down 40 every game. For him to come back after that kind of year and keep himself at the level, conditioning-wise, physically, that he was at shows a lot in, in the way he's built and how special he thought this year could be. Because I know that that was one of the biggest questions I had. You kind of felt like, all right, Steph had to do everything uh, a year ago. He had to make it all happen by himself. How in the world is he going to be able to play at that same high level? Well, what happened was he was still playing at an incredibly high level, but the guys around him got better. Poole got better. Mm -hmm. Wiggins got better. Clay came back and, and gave them a huge lift. When you have that combined with the greatness that Steph already provides, that's, again, why the chemistry on this particular title team worked the way it did. Poole and Wiggins, to me, were the keys. Oh, like, yeah. That, oh, it, yes. and, and, look, Steph is the system. He, it, it, I mean, I'm, I, I, that was a take-Steph-for-granted kind of a statement by me, just how casually I said that. I mean, it's Steph and Clay and Draymond are the foundation. That's a given. But for the Warriors to get back to championship-contending level, it's – Andrew Wiggins making two jumps, essentially, from where he was when the Warriors got him. Jump to all-star caliber player, right. and then a jump to a championship caliber player. And, and we saw it. You know, He was attacking Tatum and Brown, both ends, going at him, winning matchups against both of those players at, at times in the series. And then just Jordan Poole's ability to score, just an ability yeah. to put the ball in the basket – to give the Warriors another option if Steph or Clay don't have it on a given night. It's those two, and it's Wiggins on both ends, but and it's both of them on offense. To me, when you start looking at the okay, you lost Durant. How did you how did you offset that to get back to championship level? Wiggins and Poole offset Durant and then the others in terms of Porter and Peyton and some of the glue guys, Looney, the veteran glue guys on top of that. Uh, we're, we're also a big part of the mix. Uh, as far as Doug's question about the defense after the 41-13, and 13, I do think Clay was part of it. I also think it, it really was a lot about the ins and outs of the lineup, and, and I think you know, that is one area where when, when the Warriors were struggling, it was clear they were struggling because they weren't whole, yeah. and, and it, at times it sucks to talk about it in the, in the – landscape that we have to talk about it doing shows on a day-to-day basis doing post-game shows after some of these tough losses and it it becomes easy to sort of say well they don't have this guy they don't have that guy and it kind of sounds a little bit like a cop-out and I know Warrior fans were neurotically obsessed and kind of freaking out that the dominance of 41 and 13 didn't continue 
when there were other players out. And the other part of it is with the is the young guys. The young guys started playing more, and that's just the reality. And I know, hey, two timelines, and everybody loves the young guys, and, and that's fine. Wiseman and, and uh, Moody and Kaminga all may have great careers. They all may be big-time factors next year and in the years beyond. But when they had to play more in place of some of the veteran players, the Warriors weren't as good, flat out. And when they went back to the veterans and peppered in the young guys here and there, or went away from them essentially all together, except for a few minutes here and there, they were better for it. So the the two timeline, and, and I'm not saying those guys didn't contribute at all. They did at times, and Kaminga yep. electrified, and Moody mm-hmm. had some a few minutes here and there, and in there the were playoffs, glimpses, good glimpses. Yeah, and and so, but it it was I think a lot of it was playing guys that weren't totally familiar with the system and didn't have a lot of NBA experience, and just having the whole thing not be whole. And it again, it sounds like a cop out when you're doing it on a day-to-day, but when they got everybody back, it clicked again. And and that and that meant those young guys weren't going to be playing. When you when you break down how this all how how it all clicked the way that it it did. JD the as we're talking about Wiseman, just think about the last year and a half of you and I doing this show and taking all the calls and listening to fans go through all the reasons why Wiseman was going to be great and the Warriors needed him. I I really feel bad for him. Yeah. I really feel bad and I, for him. And I was glad to see him, and, and I know some people were kind of mocking this, I was really glad to see him enjoying the the being a part of, you know, taking the pictures with the trophy and, right. and enjoy. I was glad to see him a part of it. I don't care that he didn't play a game. Like, to me, you need to feel a part of that. And he was ramping up the workouts – as the playoffs went on and even getting a lot of shots up and going through the paces in the games in Boston specifically when maybe other players weren't out there. But I, I think I liked the fact that he felt just a quick side to that. I apologize yeah. for cutting yeah. off you, cutting you off there, but it was just he, him being a part of it, I think is important for his development, even though he didn't play. And it was crucial that they included him in that manner because mm-hmm. it wasn't just like, Oh, he's here. They were trying to make sure that he felt comfortable going through what he's going through. But for all the hype that came with that pick, this is the big man of the future. He's going to be able to run up and down the floor. He can hit shots from the outside. For the struggles that he had off and on in his rookie year before the knee injury came down, I just feel really bad for him because they didn't need him. They didn't need him to be out there to get all the way back to the top and for the Warriors to continue and maintain the run that they've been on, they, they're, they're going to have to, and they're going to have to get him rolling again. But it's almost as if the transition period that we were all expecting going into this past season, by not having to deal with that, it helped set the Warriors up for the run that they eventually went on. And J.D., as we move forward with this team, I'm really interested to see now how they weave Wiseman back into what they've already just built to get back to the top. Because as you said with Kaminga and Moody, they proved that they can do it. Yeah, They proved, maybe not that they're at the same level as some of the veterans, but that they have the ability within them to work their way up to where they're going to need to be. Wiseman has not shown that yet. 
Wiseman has shown flashes of Oh, there you go, Nick. promise. I'm just giving you a hard time. But, there we go, Nick. But Wiseman has not proven yet that he's going to be able to fit in the system that the Warriors play. It was always the Warriors changing their system a little bit to fit what Wiseman offers. I think he's better off the way things worked out. And I'll, oh, I'll, yeah. t- I'll tell you why coming up next. we got some text messages to get to. Phone calls to get to, 888-957-9570. John Dickinson and Nick Friedel. We're here until 1. It's Warriors this week. We're just kind of reliving the 21-22 championship season as the Warriors win the title. Keep it locked right here on 95.7 The Game. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or... I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Wiggins comes across, working on Fournier, up top to Curry, quick release, and splash! There it is! The best shooter the game has ever seen has cemented his legacy. No one has made more threes than Stephen Curry. And when you consider he has many more years in his career, he might be setting a record that may never be broken. Now back to Warriors This Week on 95.7 The Game. Uh, reliving some of the great moments from a historic Warrior season, a championship season at that, December the 14th, another Tuesday night for the Warriors at Madison Square Garden. Stephen Curry breaking the all-time three-point record uh, in that one. And uh, the record itself, Nick, I know you were still around covering the Warriors. It's John Dickinson, Nick Friedel here. Whitey Gleason is out uh, a family wedding. So all the best to to Whitey as he uh, sits out here in our final Warriors this week. So we brought Friedel back, who started the season and, of course, hosted uh, this show 
uh, with me for all of last season. You were at MSG that night, and that was one of the great moments of the Warriors season, but also one of the odd, strange times where Steph had to overcome a prolonged slump surrounding that, oh, man. that and then after. J.D., do you remember the game? The Against Orlando? Oh, uh, well, I was going to say or, the game in Indianapolis. Oh, the Kevon Looney tip-in game, right? Yes. Kevon Looney game winner. Yes. <laughs> the game, oh my gosh. Against I do. It was poor. I remember watching that game. I was actually not working that game. And I was out in, in Walnut Creek, and it was pouring down rain that night in, in the Bay. And I remember watching it outside in this like covered patio, drinking a few, drinking a few pops. That's a good night right there. It's a good night. That's a good night. But... Very few mm-hmm. of those non-working, hey, I'm just going to watch the Warrior game night. So that was one of them. I mean, that that's a good time. But I, I remember going into, that was that East Coast swing. They went to, they started in Philly. I think they had a Saturday night game. Yeah, Doc Rivers was not going to let Steph break the record. And it even goes back before to the the Portland. So they played Orlando at home. And then after Your the memory well, is they, incredible. Are we going to do the, we're going to say, I think we might be too too close to the end of the season to go back and run the whole schedule back. We might have to save that for like a, a July show. But he can do it, folks. But the Orlando game, he got – Steph got within, what was it, 15 of the of the record? He got within 15 of the record. The Warriors yes. were going on the trip. They had one more home game against Portland, and Portland had nobody playing. This was – Lillard was out. McCollum was out. Hadn't been traded yet. <laughs> Storyline of the season for Storyline of the season for Portland, but we're not doing Blazers this week. So, uh, after the game <laughs> against Orlando, and I don't remember who asked the question, and it doesn't matter, but Steve and Steph both got caught up in the, well, maybe he could break the record against Portland and hit 15, and and Steph kind of laughed and thought, well, that'd be two record. I'd break Clay's record for single game and the all-time record in the same night. And then they come out the game against Portland, and Steph's clearly trying to make 16 threes or 15 threes in that game. And I thought that was a little, uh, I don't know, bad karma kind of moment in hindsight. I mean, hey, the Warriors won it, it but they got a little caught up in that. Well, and, and after that Portland game, J.D., they were both mad at themselves because they both said, hey, we got caught up. We shouldn't have taken it to that point. And Doc Rivers got caught up in – Basically, put them on blast. Hey, you're not breaking it in our in our building. That was the Matisse Thibel. I am not allowing you out of my sight. Game. Yeah. Looked like Darrell Revis. Oh, he was everywhere. In his prime. Everywhere. But JD, the the part about that stretch that that I'll remember is how much it meant to Steph to break that record in the Garden. Mm-hmm. The night before in Indianapolis, right before uh, everybody was going to come out for warm-ups, I'm running through some corridor in whatever the hell that, the field house, whatever it's called, in the Indianapolis now. Indianapolis field house. Exactly. And I'm, I'm walking, I'm running through this corridor, and I hear this voice go, you look like you're getting ready for a TV hit. And I turn, and it's Steph. Oh. And I'm like, yeah, uh, you have any idea what I'm going to talk about tonight? <laughs> and he kind of smiles he's like, oh, no, 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 like, go get him. And I said, good luck tonight. And he said, thanks, I appreciate it. And and I, I went out there, and I could tell how 
relaxed he was compared to how much it was weighing on him leading into those first couple games. The Portland game you mentioned here, the the game in Philly where everybody thought, oh, Saturday night. Yeah, ABC showcase. Here we go. And once he hit that shot at the Garden, and it was the first one because he he or the what did he need one or two? He needed two. And so he hits the first one, and you think, oh, it's coming now. The relief and the joy were palpable because everybody had been asked about it for that those last couple weeks, and everybody was thinking, oh man, like let's just kind of get this out of the way, but. After that game in Indianapolis, Steve Kerr was like, I remember I, I, I was talking to him after, and he was like, it's the Garden. It's the Mecca. He'll be ready to roll. Yeah. And he was early on, and it was a really cool moment with Reggie Miller in the house to broadcast the game for TNT. Yeah, awesome. So just uh, historic. I mean, we're, we're reliving as part of the show here, and, and more phone calls coming up. We got some text messages. Somebody else coming down Nick's Road. Uh, the 408. Fun never stops, The 408. Baby. Holy cannoli. Holy cannoli. Holy cannoli. Nick has found his new Wiggins in James Wiseman. Oh, Here we go. I, I love all the people. I, I appreciate the one of the textures was like, <laughs> it's not you're not being a hater. It's it's doubt. I had doubt about the Warriors. I had doubt that Wiggins could transform himself into this kind of player. I have doubt that Wiseman, after what he's been through, will be able to be a a high functioning contributor on <laughs> a, a title defense next year. There's a lot of doubt, but the Warriors have proven over and over again that they're at their best when people don't think they can get back to the same level. So anything is possible now for this team at this time. All right, Joe in San Jose, 888-957-9570. Hey, Joe. Hey, can you see me okay? Yep, loud and clear, Joe. What's on your mind? Hey, um, hey. First of all, Nick, um, uh, dumping the Warriors for the Nets doesn't work. Ask your buddy Kevin Durant if you don't believe me. <clears throat> In any case, I love your voice. I can listen to you all day. Just don't bet on uh, the Warriors next season. Um, it, it, just keep betting on the other team. It's working just fine. A um, couple of things. I want to understand from you guys what do you think was the turnaround in the finals? Um, was it something that they found in game four in the fourth quarter? It seemed like it. Um, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Sure. Also, everybody's talking about this being a dynasty. Um, I want to hear your thoughts on you know, whether we need to, whether you think we need to get better because next season the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference are both going to get better. Okay, appreciate the call. Good stuff, Joe. Yeah, the, the the defense to me is what what flipped the series, and it did start in the fourth quarter of Game Four. Obviously, Steph saved him with an all time legendary performance offensively in the forty three points. I mean, that mm-hmm. was that was Jordan esque in, in in that game. But as far as they they started, and you hit on this in one of our conversations, and and we talked about it a lot the last week as the series went on, the turnovers. The Warriors started forcing turnovers again, and the Celtics are turnover-prone, and they were just a turnover machine from really that moment on, and they're just not good enough offensively to compensate for it. It allowed the Warriors to get into into a rhythm uh, in that in the remainder of that series. As far as next year, 
I mean, it's kind of not for today, but to me, the biggest key to next year is you know Kaminga and Moody are going to be more of a factor, and, and I think pencil into the rotation at the beginning of the year. I do think the Warriors are still going to need veteran fallback options. And I don't know what happens with Otto Porter or Gary Payton the second, and we'll see if they're able to keep Kevon Looney, Gary Payton. I mean, I think they're the young guys are going to play, and they have to play. Yeah. In particular, yeah. Kaminga and Moody. But do you have enough veteran protection to where in the biggest games, if you need to go away from them, you can? I think that's the area where they can stay on that championship level. And Joe Lacob and that ownership group have proven time and again that they'll spend when they need to, J.D., but... I don't know how you're keeping Otto Porter. Yeah, don't be too reliant on the young guys. They're gonna play. They're gonna be in the rotation, but don't be too dependent on them to to be major, big game and playoff factors next year. You gotta have an insurance policy. And to that point, I don't know who the replacement would be, or will end up being from that veteran standpoint. Do you bring Bielitsa back? What happens with the Damian Lees and Juan Toscano Andersons of the world? But I tell you this, JD, after what has occurred in the last year and change with this team, the Warriors, as they were in the old days with David West and the ring chasers who would come out, take less money to play for them, they are that team again. Yeah. You come play with Steph Curry, Steve Kerr's your coach. You've got Klay Thompson and Draymond Green. Jordan Poole is coming into his own, and and he's going to get a, a big deal. It would appear on the horizon here soon. But everybody in the league is sitting there going, hey, you want to win a title? You want to play for an organization that will treat you incredibly well? You want to play in a region in the Bay that is going to support the hell out of you all the time? This is the place to be. And another uh, part of this is, on top of Kaminga Moody Wiseman, you figure Andre Godal is probably done because J.D., is, his body just wasn't able to hold up uh, at the end there. So they're going to, there are going to be spots to fill, and the Warriors, you would figure, are going to have their pick on who they want to fill them. That is a great point. They are back in that game as far as getting the, the legitimate – you know, ring chaser type veterans that would be willing to come and, and play for the minimum. And I do think while Kaminga and Moody are going to be a big part of it next year, they are going to have to make sure, and even Wiseman, they are going to make sure they pick their spots on, on some of those veterans that, that, that are going to be in the mix to help, again, more of an insurance policy to make sure you have enough playoff players. Ray in San Ramon is next here, 888-957-9570. Hey, Ray. Hey, guys. How you doing? Thanks for having me. Good. Um, I uh, just wanted to touch on James Wiseman, you know, his development. You know, a lot of people, there's a lot of question marks on who he is, what he is. I wanted to ask you guys, you know, for the top six lottery picks of that year's draft, you know, forget about Edwards and uh, LaMelo. Um, you know, would you guys want someone else other than Wiseman? Um, and, and, and his upside potential, do you think he can be like an Evan Mobley? That's just kind of all I had on that one. Okay, thanks for the call. I mean, 
I don't know. I don't think anybody knows, really. I mean, he's got a nice offensive game, at least projects to have a nice offensive game. I think the Warriors would love for him to be a defensive stalwart, maybe maybe more than anything, that, that can knock down an occasional three and be somebody that, that can you know, get a dunk and be in the right spot if the defense is gravitating toward others. I mean, I think it's – when you look at Wiseman in particular for next year, to me it's about the little things. It's the simple things. Can, can he score without them having to run plays for him? Can he, can he defend and, and protect the paint a little bit? All big asks, um, but I think, I think we're still in kind of the baby step phase for Wiseman next year because he's, he's played so little to this point of his career. Very much so. And it has to be. And, and, J.D., we go back to what we heard from Kerr early in the season, which was we need to simplify what we're asking of James on a nightly basis. And as you go into now year three, everything will be as as basic as it can be for him, not only because they don't need him to to do as much, but – I think they learned from what happened in that first year. And and Kerr admitted as much several times that they just probably threw too much at him and he wasn't ready for everything that was coming his way. They know that in short spurts, he could come in for 10 or 12 minutes and help him out. And to the point that you were making earlier, Wiseman now, all the pressure that came in when he was the number two pick and he was feeling like he had to to prove everybody uh, that he was that great of a player. He's coming into a title team now. All that pressure and all the expectations, they're off. They just want him to play, to have fun, and stay healthy and learn the system as best he can. That guy in Oakland next year on the phones, 888-957-9570. Hey, that guy. Hey, good morning, fellas. J.D., great job, man, during the finals all during the playoffs, you were killing it. And then let me just get this out of the way for Clay Thompson. Hey, Nick, you bum. <laughs> hey, but <laughs> hey, I appreciate you coming on, Nick, and uh, you know, manning up and, and admitting that you know you, you had doubts, right? A lot of people had doubts, and you guys touched on it earlier, and that that was part of the, what I wanted to say: the emergence of Pool and uh, Wiggins. Led to a uh, led to, as the season progressed, led to where where we are now. In my thoughts, and then I think the one single moment was uh, the return of Clay Clay Thompson. I mean, if you go back that night, he came back, and JD, I'm sure you know the date. Um, if he would have, you know, two games into it, had had gone out like Wiseman, I don't think we'd be here with the title. So I, I think that was a very important moment. And then um, also, hey, Nick, on the national, you know, I was even last night, brother, I was listening uh, to Fox. Brian knows nothing, basically. And uh, he was saying they were picking next year's finalists. And they were saying that the Clippers and the Grizzlies were going to be in the conference finals. Why is it on the national that the Warriors still, even after going four out of eight, still can't get uh any love from the national media that's that's question one and you guys also touched on bob myers job getting easier 
as far as trying to get some talent in here next year. Remember last year when you guys were doing the show, we were figuring out how we can do a buyout for Kevin Love. Remember that? Yeah, there were a lot of different uh, options. Yeah, the last thing I got, since you guys are going the ESPN route, uh, I'm thinking, Nick, maybe you can pitch this idea. You can do a hard knock for the net next year. (laughs) (laughs) Like the NFL, right? Go in there with Kyrie and, and do a hard knock series with these guys. And inquiring minds want to know, and I'll let you go on this, and I saw KD's getting it. If you could, without jeopardizing anything, what's going on with Skip Bayless and Stephen A? I appreciate it. You guys have a great day, and I can't wait to see who the who the uh, swaggy P of the parade is going to be on Monday. Thank you. Uh, all right, I'm going to go last thing first, and then you can address all of it. There was a lot to get to there. Uh, I think, and I said this the other night at the end of the postgame show, I think the the underrated pick for most lit, let's say, and and or most turnt, however you want to put it, and that doesn't mean consumption. That just means having a good time. Like the the who's having the best time. I think the the underrated value pick is Gary Payton the second. Yeah, I can see it. That'd be my value pick on that. As far as who's and and apparently, apparently though, Wiggins. Has, I mean, have you seen some of the photos the of Wiggins? Videos. Wiggins, Wiggins has Do been having thing, a good time Mr. the last. Wiggins. Wiggins is having a good time. Back to Wiggins. <laughs> Do your thing. I, as far as, I mean, there were there were there were so many different directions sure. we can go off. Some of the ba- we can go to the basketball stuff first. The, uh, why do I think they're not getting the respect? Yes, uh, that. That they they probably deserve the Clippers. The, the, Jesus. Well, yeah. Although Kawhi, healthy Kawhi, yeah, healthy Paul yeah. George, healthy Kawhi when he wants to play. When he wants. <laughs> but JD, Health, I, healthy I, Paul George when he wants when, to when try. He wants to play. But yeah, <laughs> I think the the key with the Warriors in the narrative that surrounds them, to me, is just the age. But Steph, in his own Steph way, changed how everybody perceived that team because he is so dominant. If we're looking ahead to next year and all the potential storylines that could come, one of the most interesting to me is what happens with Draymond in the sense that can we expect what we saw the first two months of the season? Can he be that player defensively that they need him to be night after night? Because we saw it in the finals. Draymond... Again, in his in his own words, uh, his own admission, he wasn't very good, and he turned it around at the end of that series, and he was a difference maker. What kind of impact is he going to have as they're now trying to defend yet another title, and is he going to be able to maintain that high level? I mean, he's an incredibly good player who showed how – great he can be and how much motivation he he has to to be the defensive player of the year again but offensively there were times where he just didn't want the shot and didn't want uh, those big moments that maybe he had wanted earlier but he turned it around again in game six and and got his game to where he needed it to be all right so one more phone call here before the top of the hour but uh we the caller Excuse me there. The caller uh, had mentioned Clay Thompson's return. That's another one of our highlighted moments. Yeah. 
Clay Thompson to sit down, listen to the ovation for Clay. And Clay moving his arms, trying to get the crowd to make even more noise. January 9th against the Cavs at Chase, one of the many special moments for the Warriors this year, Clay Thompson's return. And uh, yeah, all of the, boy, all the way back to June of 2019 what was it 913 days i believe it was i thought it was like 937 yeah maybe i i might have it backwards on that yeah 937 unbelievable but to see clay have the emotional impact that we knew he would have but to jd to see him fight through what he went through because right before i left that was around late november december Mm -hmm. There was that moment where he was on the bench and he was really upset and Steph tried to talk to him and Draymond and Kerr. For Clay to get back to this point and for him to know that things are only going to get better from here as he continues to to knock the rust off and get his game back on track, it is a credit to the mental toughness that he has to be able to get through all these hurdles that have continue to try and and push back the greatness that we saw before that initial ACL injury in the finals three years ago. 941 days. Oh, we were both off. 941. All the numbers, all the dates, all the stats, yeah. Apologies for that one. But yeah, 941 from June 13 of 2019 to Jan 9 of 2022. Clay Thompson back and Clay Thompson a champion again. We are halfway through here on a Saturday. 888-957-9570. We'll reset everything. We're reliving some of the big moments of this Warrior season. When was the moment you knew they could win it? It's John Dickinson and Nick Friedel sitting in for Whitey Gleason here. Warriors this week, championship edition of 95.7 The Game. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.